You're listening to Demystifying Age Care with Graham Maybury. Hi, thanks for making this podcast a part of your day, for being part of Demystifying Aged Care. I'm Graham Maybury and it's my privilege to host this exploration of the journey we all take when we move into retirement and beyond. As humans, naturally we crave connection with others and perhaps never more than when we enter our latter years. For many of us, our most important connection is with our spouse or partner. And when you share life with someone you love, as I've done with my wife Merle now for 50 years, hard to imagine, but that's it. I simply can't imagine a time when I'm not going to be together with her physically or emotionally. But I also face the reality, as we all do, that declining health can mean one of you needs to go into residential aged care while the other can remain living at home independently. So how do you get used to the idea of sudden physical separation from the person who's always been there by your side? Does living in two different homes fundamentally change your relationship? Can you maintain love and connection? That's the theme that inspires today's conversation, connection. You may be surprised to know that 42% of elderly Australians living in residential aged care don't receive one single visitor, 42%. And while there's many reasons family and friends are unable to visit regularly, it leaves many aged care residents craving conversation and friendship. While there's no medical prescription to treat loneliness and social isolation, the gift of time from strangers is proving to be a powerful antidote. Joining me to share their stories today are Alastair and Jill Milne, who have been married for 50 years. A warm welcome to both of you. And also Ruth Bell, a retiree who's delivering joy and connection to aged care residents through volunteering. Welcome, Ruth. Good to have all of you with us. Alastair and Jill, I mentioned at the start of today's episode that Merle and I can't imagine a life in which one of us needs to go into care while the other remains living at home, but that's exactly the situation in which you found yourself. Alastair, we'll start with you. You were a fit, hard-working poultry farmer, plans to work until you were 80, and then at the age of 78, you received a devastating health diagnosis. What happened? First of all, your memory is one of the things. And when you're in business or working, memory is a very important fact of your job. And I found the first instance that my memory was going. And then physically, I started going very physically sparse as Mm. far as uh, physical things are concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about it, really. That's how it started. And then I went to see the doctor, and from there it was... Hey, hey. And what did the doctor say? Well, he, he advised me to see a specialist in the first instance, mm-hmm. which I did. And the diagnosis was? I've got cancer of the, what is it, Julie? Bile duct. The bile duct. And pancreas. Wow. That's okay. my memory. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So cancer of the, so you get, suddenly you get a diagnosis, you have the cancer of the bile duct and pancreas. Yes. Okay, and uh, so therefore, uh, Jill, this meant early retirement? Yes. Okay, and, and I understand, you, as you said to us, Alastair, you started to struggle with life at home, and uh, you, uh, 
You wouldn't, though, at this stage, you steadfastly refuse to even think about residential aged care, right? Yeah, I did. Because? Well, I didn't think there was any need for it. <laughs> but in reflection, I was being very selfish. But maybe was it was the fact of having to separate from Jill a part of that? Well, that's always a part of it, even now it's a part of it. But um, I realise that it's not a part, it's not me, it's the family as well that I have to consider. And uh, it wasn't fair for them. It's a remarkable conversation we're having because I know you, you went into palliative care, yep. which is normally the, the last chapter, just making sure that you're kept comfortable. And uh, Jill, um, how did, did, try to give us some sense of what it was like for you to hear that, uh, um, that he was never going to be coming home and worrying about how to convince him to do what he needed to do. Um, well, he was in palliative care three times. Mm. They said basically that um, we had a family meeting with doctors and things, and they basically said that he wouldn't be able to come home. So once we got that together, um, I was good with it after that. I was, I was fine. Mm. Um, I couldn't have him home because he was falling over. Um, I had to do his medication, which was really hard, doing his various pills, and I was so scared I was going to give him too many or mm. not enough mm. and when he was in pain. So actually, it was a great relief when he went into Yolampi. You say it was a great relief. How, how did you go about helping him come to the point where he would go in? Oh, he was very good. I mean, he was told by several of the doctors in palliative care that, that he'd either have to stay in palliative care or go into a home. So it wasn't a question of him coming home again to me because it was too hard. And, and Alistair, can you, can you tell me what you thought residential care would be like before you went in? What did you anticipate? Well, at the best, at the best result is the one that I'm at in the Yolambi. But, but what did you think before you knew what it was going to be like? Why were you so, you know, what, did, was it... I, I guess I was afraid of it. I mean, I thought that was the end, you know. I mm. mean, you can hardly say that reports of uh, care and homes that recently have been at all uh, <laughs> exciting. So all of those, those, that was what you thought, my goodness, what am I going to? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, well, and I, my memory was of the palliative care, of course. Now, when you exactly when you but when you went into uh, into Baptist care at Yolambi, which is close to your home in Stoneville, yeah. uh, it wasn't long before you found, as you say, you found that those those preconceived ideas were being challenged. Um, what were the first few weeks in your new home like? Well, I, I, I guess it was finding out, to be quite honest. Um, and quite honestly, I was a bit scared. <laughs> I mean, I don't admit that I was fr I wasn't mm. frightened or anything, but I was a bit dubious of the thing. But the people there and the carers that work there are very reassuring. And I found it, uh, well, everybody was there to help. Jill, we can, we can see 
in your own emotional journey still these are these are you know these are these are challenging things to have to journey through what were those first weeks like for you actually it was a big relief because i knew he was getting the care that he needed and the pills were being given to him at the right time and and um yeah no it was a huge relief when he was put in there what aspects of what what aspects of the care kind of gave you that relief what reassured you i guess oh they're just amazing they are all just amazing the nurses the carers um they're all lovely they're lovely to everybody and everybody in there is also so nice and friendly so you know truly it's it's good and Alistair, I understand you really appreciate the, the number of activities that are on in... Yes, well, you can either sit in your room and do nothing or you can join into what the, perhaps you, things that you never thought that you would uh, enter into before. But uh, it's, it's all good fun, you know. You ha- are you enjoying it? Yourself. Yes, I do enjoy it, actually, because otherwise what would... Uh, and, and the people there help you i mean it's not only do they sort of but they help mm. you to to overcome any fear that you do have of it well said alistair and a lovely segue into meeting our other special guest today ruth bell ruth you had a busy career as an occupational therapist and when you finally retired and had an opportunity to put your feet up you became a volunteer at david butfield center the baptist care center in Gwellup. why did you do that Well, I'd worked for 32 years for the Commonwealth Rehabilitation Service, helping people with disabilities get back to work. And I had the opportunity to retire early at 56, and I really wanted to do something very different to what I'd done in my career. I also wanted to maintain my registration as an occupational therapist, just in case, you know, I wanted to go back to work in the future. Absolutely. And um, in order to do that, you can do volunteer work to maintain your registration and you also have to do ongoing professional development. So I thought, well, let's try and choose an area where there's plenty of volunteer work available. And, you know, I heard things on the radio about people with dementia, programs available for people with dementia. Mm. And I thought, well, that's a growing industry. There's going to be um, no shortage of opportunities available in that field. So I set about getting some education in that field and then I heard through that heard about the Music Connection Program that Baptist Care was um, starting. And so I approached them and said, I'd love to be involved with this. I've always loved music um, from my childhood and um, felt that this was something special that um, would help people with dementia. A couple of quick things from that. That's excellent, Ruth. And uh, a couple of quick things from it. First, a sidebar. Um, we've talked in other podcasts about the fact that as you're transitioning into retirement or that transitioning can be a very smart idea and your idea of, all right, I want to keep a connection with my profession, uh, not only just in case, but I want to keep developing and training and finding new ways of connecting. Great example of that. And, of course, uh, we kind of have a hidden connection from the past because yeah. I, I started life as a musician and you were in a choir yeah. that uh, did several concerts around the state in the concert hall and entertainment centre and places many m- more years ago than either of us want to count. <laughs> so the music part of it's very dear, near and dear to me as well. And I know Baptist Care run run all sorts. There's volunteer activities in in everything from iPad courses to um, to, to music as you're doing. Uh, so so tell us a little bit more about this. music. Music connection. What happens? 
It's based on a, a program started in the States called Music in Memory. We call it Music Connection here and I think the connection part is so important because it's not just playing music in the background, it's, it's finding out what the resident uh, responds to. It might be music from their teenage years, it might be music more recently. It might be hymns um, if they've had a, a Christian background. We put those onto an iPod or a phone. We create a playlist for the individual. And generally I listen on a one-to-one basis with them, um, with headphones. I might spend five or ten minutes with them. Sometimes I can spend an hour with a person if they're really responding well and enjoying it. Basically, it sounds as though what's involved is uh, finding what this particular person, this particular individual responds to and then journeying with that. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes you find that out from them. Um, Other times you find that out from their family. Other times you find it out by trial and error. What, What sorts of different ways do they respond? Some people respond with tears, but they say that it's been beautiful. Other people respond as soon as they see me with a smile and they recognise me and connect me with obviously a pleasurable um, experience. Mm, mm. You know, when we, when we listen together, uh, some people sing, um, some people um, dance with me. Um, they might be sitting, we might be just moving arms, eye-to-eye contact, smiling, mm. really connecting. The, the, apparently the, the research says that... Um, there's for many as the, it can bring about a sense of calm, uh, improved mood, yep. relaxation, and often memories. Because mm. we're you know for those journeying with memory loss, nothing quite triggers memory like music. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we can all remember where we were when a particular or what song goes with this bit of our life. Yes, and you you tap into that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it never ceases to amaze me that people who have severe dementia cannot even engage in conversation, mm. uh, they can still sing along to hymns that, or songs that they remember from mm. their childhood. Um, all things bright and beautiful. There's not many people um, in the dementia unit that don't know that song. Yeah, that's it. No, I, uh, my wife's mum journeyed with a, a form of, de- of dementia in, towards her in her latter years. It was never It was never profound. But the one thing that would always tune her in was anything, any any hymn, any song that she'd sung as a youngster, they were, they were always there. Uh, Alice Dare volunteers like Ruth are an amazing example of, of uh, the, the, the quality work they do and the Baptist Care volunteers strive to enrich the lives of people. But I know that you and Jill feel the staff too go above and beyond um, how have the staff helped you maintain your relationship to Jill, even though you're living separately now? Well, my wife can visit me for, at any time, which is a very important factor, actually. Um, and I don't know if you know Yolambi, but it's got a lovely garden. And we sit outside, and the, the staff, as I say, would you like a cup of tea? And Jill comes into the kitchen, makes a cup of tea, this type of thing. It's just a relaxing atmosphere. And so as much like it used to be as possible, is that a fair description? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. And Jill, you, you're, if there are people listening to our discussion today mm-hmm. facing what you and Alistair have had to face and, and obviously feeling that emotional pain that you've talked to us about very eloquently, actually... 
What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Um, just, I, I would say that you just, well, you go in there obviously very scared and, and, and um, frightened of what might be. And truly, particularly where Alistair is, it, it's just it's just wonderful. It's just a beautiful place and never be afraid of going because everybody cares about you so much. Um, and sometimes we have a glass of wine together in the garden. You know, it's things like that. It's just relaxing and people shouldn't be at all scared. Maybe one of the first things would be to reach out to the sort of people that you were reaching out to when Alastair was so ill and you were making the decision? Um, who did I reach out yeah, to? Yeah, yes. Um, or some of the carers, actually, but, but prior to that, because he was in palliative care for on and off hmm. three times, they were just wonderful, yeah. They, they just made me feel completely relaxed and happy. So if people are listening to this podcast and they're in that situation where their loved one is starting to need increasing levels of care or carers and other health professionals are starting to talk to them about this, mm. I guess you're saying listen to what they're saying. Absolutely listen to what they're saying and, yeah, don't be afraid. And there are options such as you've discovered at near Lambie that, that work wonderfully well. Absolutely wonderfully well, yeah. And Alastair, speaking about advice, we asked Jill what she would advise people listening to this podcast. What's your advice for having a marriage last 50 years? What's the secret? Well, I was going to say because Jill does as she's told. <laughs> but um, Would you like to make 51 years, Alastair? <laughs> well, I, um, well, it's a corny thing to say, but uh, we, we've loved one another from the start and I know unfortunately from experience that that's not always true No true, but in your case it is just mm -hmm. watching you two together here today it's very much true, it's lovely to have you in the studio and Ruth in your own case actually I had the honour not too many years ago of being WA Volunteer of the Year, it's very important we're talking about volunteering, in fact uh, the international, the National Volunteering Conference is in Perth for the first time in several decades this year. Um, I'd love you to say something about what you get out of being a volunteer and what it's added to this chapter of your life. Well, I love spending um, quality time with residents. Um, when you're employed as a health professional, you're, you're, you're always time poor. Um, you have KPIs to meet, you have billing hours, you have all sorts of things that, that demand your time, meetings and case notes and et cetera, you know, statistics, all that sort of thing. As a volunteer, I come in, I do a little bit of statistics so that they can record who I have contact with, but other than that, my time is precious with the resident. And um, I've, I'm allowed as much time as I want with a resident and so as I said sometimes I might spend five minutes other times I might spend an hour with the resident depending on what their needs are and how they're responding so yeah it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to have really quality time um, with residents and really make a difference yeah that's I can, uh, immensely rewarding I can tell absolutely yeah, yeah you, you, your, your passion communicates and uh, I love that saying that says volunteers have no dollar value not because they're worthless but because they're priceless mm -hmm. 
And if you'd like to find out more about becoming a Baptist Care volunteer or anything else you've heard on this podcast of Demystifying Aged Care, check out the show notes that uh, are in the show notes section of today's podcast. Alastair, Jill and Ruth, thanks so much for being with us today and for such deep and meaningful sharing of your journey uh, and a, a better way of understanding what it means to age with meaning, love and connection. Listeners, when it comes to the Demystifying Aged Care podcast, you drive the agenda. So don't forget to send in your questions or to suggest any topics. We love to hear from you. And you can reach us by emailing podcast at baptistcare.com.au. That's podcast at baptistcare.com.au. And if you find our conversations interesting and informative, or you can think of others who might benefit by hearing them, you can spread the word about demystifying aged care by leaving us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. It does a lot to put us on the radar and encourage others to join us. I'm Graham Mabry, and until next time, goodbye, God bless. Demystifying Aged Care is proudly brought to you by Baptist Care.